Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Hamad Khan. Hamad, uh, give us a bit of an intro to yourself and then we'll, uh, we'll get into this. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Ahmad. Uh, I've been investing in real estate since 2012. Um, I think I've known Glenn longer than that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it, you know, it's ironic because we we used to play ball hockey together. We never really talked about real estate, even though we we're both kind of doing the same thing. Uh, you know, um, it's yeah, it's just it, it's funny. I think it comes out. Maybe we'll talk touch on this topic later about letting people know what you're doing because uh, you never know. Um, yeah, so I've been invested 2012 uh, working, you know, Fortune 100 companies on the corporate side up until recently. I moved to Detroit uh, from Kitchener-Waterloo area about a few years ago, um, and now I'm doing real estate full-time here in the U.S. I left my corporate career behind, just, you know, there's a lot there that we can unpack, but uh, just yeah. real estate was a thing for me. It's where, you know, um, it just common sense and logic uh, uh, prevailed and, you know, decided real estate is what I want to do. And, you know, the great thing is now I get to help other people do the same thing as well. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And it's, it, it is, it is true. Like neither of us really talked about it. Like we were both doing lots of real estate and we, uh, we saw each other every Sunday and we never really talked real estate. Um, but you know, it, it's one of the things, yeah, tell people what you're doing, right? Um, who knows? We could have collaborated way earlier or something. Who knows? There might've been some sort of synergy, right? No, you know, I would say um, if there's one thing that really hurt me, it was that I was very much in a silo, um, right? Uh, I didn't know if any meetup groups or anything along those lines at all. I was just, you know, I was just doing my own thing, thought, you know, one house at a time. Uh, you know, my plan was basically retirement. I had this whole, you know, roadmap laid out to become a CEO and everything. And even my first real estate investment, uh, I got into doing um, conversions, single families to duplex. And it had a lot to do with, um, you know, the fact that the prices in Canada, the way they were, even in 2012, it didn't make a lot of sense, um, you know, because you'd be paying out of pocket. Uh, so that's why I decided to do the conversion because that allowed me to actually cash flow yeah. um, by doing that. And, you know, the plan always was if I, you know, part of the whole roadmap was go international assignments. So I, you know, I have duplex rental property. I can rent that out and leave whenever I wanted. Uh, so kind of before, you know, the burrs and uh, house hacking and all those uh, words were actual, you know, everyday use terminology, I was, uh, that's what I was doing. Um, and just got to a point, you know, um, again, like I said, that was a retirement plan. I did a bunch of those, helped other people, helped my parents, my brothers, um, you know, and uh, other friends do the same thing. Um, and yeah, a few years ago, you know, my wife is doing her medical residence here in the States. So that brought us to the States. And I made a decision at that point that, you know, it's just the whole corporate thing wasn't for me. It's, it just isn't worth it. The great thing about real estate is, you know, you can get out of it what you put into it. That is something you're really not getting in the corporate world because it just, the expectation is you put in more, you know, than you're going to get. That's it. If you want to become a CEO, 
you're, you, even after you become a CEO, you're putting in a lot more hours and a lot more time, then it's worth it. I'm here, you know, making a lot more money on the real estate side than I am working this corporate career. So, um, you know, if the end goal is to be a CEO, why not start my own business and leave a legacy versus just working for someone else, you know, fighting tooth and nail to get a 2%, uh, you know, increase in pay and all that fun stuff. So that's kind of why I chose to do real estate. You know, that being said, I know there's a lot of people that love what they're doing. That's what they want to do. And that's what they're comfortable with. Um, you know, again, real estate takes a lot of time and experience and all, just not like I did it all yesterday either. Um, so that's where, you know, what I'm doing now is, uh, a process that's called syndication, essentially a private equity. And it, um, what I would do for other people is they can come invest with me and we would go buy, you know, larger properties, apartment buildings, complexes, um, and just basically allow for scale. It mitigates a lot of the risk that you face in the single family side of things. Uh, so that's basically what I'm doing now. Yeah. So you were going from the, the duplex conversions to, um, into doing the syndication in the U.S., how does that transition sort of work? Like, um, I kind of know your story because you post lots of stuff on Facebook, but how, how did it go? Um, when do you hire someone? What, what kind of steps would you do to try and do this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, let's, uh, since you brought that up, uh, I think let's talk about why I chose to do syndication yeah. first. Um, now, like I said, I moved to Detroit uh, a few years ago when I started exploring the market. Initially, I thought about, you know, doing flips and uh, starting my own construction company even. And it's just the market here didn't make sense to me. And I think that's a key component of being in real estate. You know, you hear a lot of invest in your backyard. Sometimes investing in your backyard doesn't make sense. And, you know, being Canadians, that is a lot more relevant to us because right now, financially speaking, in terms of returns, it just doesn't make sense to invest in Canada, right? And so that kind of led me to, you know, what can I do in real estate that makes sense? And then I came across doing the whole private equity and syndications, which was a really good fit for both my real estate and my corporate experience, uh, right? Because it's the syndication side of things is a large scale business. Yep. It's not, a, you know, going back to your question about hiring the right people and everything, or, you know, it's definitely a team sport. You, this is not something, you know, it's not a flip. It's not single family homes that you can just go by yourself and take care of. There's, it is a business and there's a lot of components, you know, from acquisitions to uh, the construction side of things to financing. There's a lot of different components to it. Um, so you, you don't necessarily have to hire someone or have even have someone on your team per se, but what you do need is partners, okay. one or the other, because you're not going to be able to do everything by yourself. It's just, if you are, I'm, you know what, I'm good for you, but I'm probably not the one going to be investing in that because I know what it takes to run a more efficient, uh, deal, especially larger scale. Like if you're talking about hundred, hundred units over, et cetera. Um, so really it's, you know, it's, it took a lot of networking uh, before I actually launched my businesses, two years of pure networking, COVID helped a lot. It brought everyone online, which allowed me to, you know, really build some strong connections, um, within the industry. And, you know, I have relationships, pretty much all the well-known operators, um, that you see around. So, you know, COVID really helped with that. Um, 
And it's, you know, it's right now the way my operations work is I have relationships with these operators. I've vetted out operators. They've gone through multiple cycles. And what happens is if they have a good deal, they'll present it to me. If I like it, I'll vet out because uh, I've already vetted out the operators. I'll vet out the location uh, and the deal itself as well to make sure it works. You know, one example I'll give, I really don't like bridge loans right now for light touch-up deals, uh, right? Uh, what I'm seeing a lot of right now is, is just, you know, people are expecting rent increases, which, you know, given the current uh, conditions with inflation and everything, which might happen, um, there's a good chance of it, but you're really, you know, dependent on that appreciation play, which to me, I equate that a lot more to gambling because you're taking a risk there much more than that is needed. Uh, so I stay away from bridge loans unless they're heavy value add. There's, you know, you're adding value to the property in some way incrementally over and above just expecting, you know, the market rent increases. Um, but unfortunately, like I said, a lot of what I'm seeing right now are bridge loans just for light touch up, you know, just expecting um, that. So that, those are some of the things, you know. Uh, that, that's a dangerous game. That's yeah. a really dangerous game is to just, you know, barely do anything and expect to raise the rents a lot because it could it could lead to your vacancy it could you know like it, it's i know that the whole thing is trying to push up your noi to apply to a cap rate right but it's you know that's a dangerous game you need to do value add to these things exactly and that's exactly you know uh, it, a lot of uh, what has happened in the states it's is very much driven with the money that was printed over the last couple of years um, with the midterms and everything that's not happening in inflation where it's at, that's not really going to happen at this point, not to the same degree, um, which will impact, you know, where the rent goes and uh, everything as well. Um, but just coming back to it. Yeah. So, you know, you, you really need a lot of people involved in this. Um, uh, so it starts with, you know, like I said, acquisitions. So the partners that I'm working with, they have, they could be underwriting 100, 200 properties before they get one under contract, um, right? And then once they have it under contract, they'll present it to me and say, hey, we have a deal. We think you might like it. Uh, are you interested in being part of the GP group? Okay. Um, general partnership group or the management group. Um, then I make that decision. If I'm interested, then I'll, you know, if the numbers make sense and it's something that I can present to my investors, uh, then I'll go into it uh, and basically you know, be part of that asset management or due diligence, uh, depending on what's needed. That makes a lot of sense. So I, I think you kind of answered my question with all of that, but what I was going to ask you is being, being a foreign national, right? Because you're a Canadian and you're living in Detroit. Um, did you have any hurdles? I think, I believe you're probably using the sponsors in order to overcome those, right? When I started investing in the U.S., I did it by myself and had to go through the growing pains of doing that. GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. A 12-week coaching program done one hour per week over Zoom from the comfort of your own home. Classes are kept to five people to be able to answer everyone's questions. Shortcut the process. Make fewer mistakes. Curriculum available at glensutherland.com slash coaching. Um, yes and no. Um, so, uh, you know, like you said, I, even though I am in Detroit, I'm still Canadian. I'm still paying taxes there. So I'm looked at no differently. I'm, for the U.S., I'm still a non-resident in the U.S., even though I live here. Um, if, at least for tax purposes, I'm considered such. So that means for me to invest here is no different than if I was living in Canada or in the U.S. Um, 
So with that, you know, one of the things that Canadians really have to be careful of that I keep, you know, having conversations um, with people and they're doing a lot of is getting LLCs in the U.S. Right. Right. Um, Canada, the CRA does not recognize LLCs. You will not get any credits for any taxes you pay in the U.S. Then you're paying double taxes in Canada because you're not getting any credits here um, in, for, for what you paid in the U.S. So, right. you know, it's either, and again, I'm not an accountant, so please, you know, seek uh, professional advice. But basically what I've come down to is you either invest into what's called a limited partnership, uh, which a lot of operators don't do because they don't understand it here in the States. And, you know, there's such a big LLC culture here that it's hard to break them out of it. So a lot of times, you know, even before I get informed of any property, they usually have the LLC created, right? And there's so much liquidity here that they're not necessarily out there looking for Canadian or outside investors. So really what it comes down to is creating an entity here in the States, uh, you know, I, probably a C Corp because that bypasses any issues with um, the LLC issue. Because if you have an LP, the problem is no matter what entity you have, unless it's a C Corp, you can't have ownership of LLCs. So that's why C Corp usually makes the most sense. So you have a C Corp is just treated as a business here in the States and then you have it, you know, flow through into another entity or corporation in Canada. Uh, again, you know, talk to an account, they'll take you in through a lot more detail with how that works, but that's kind of um, yep. the best structure that I've come up with in terms of, uh, you know, investing here in the States. And I think, you know, again, it's a one-time hassle, you know, probably around three to $5,000 to set all of that stuff up. You know, again, work with a professional, they'll set it all up for you. You don't have to worry about anything. But if you're really interested in getting the returns that you get here in the States, go through that process, right? Um, and it also shows uh, the, you know, operators and everyone that you're working with here in the States that you're serious about investing as well. Um, so that, that's what I would recommend. Set up an entity here. Again, it's a one-time hassle. Your tax professionals will take care of everything for you. And even the ongoing reporting that's required afterwards, they'll take care of all of that. Because um, yeah. so one, thing, one thing to think of is if you do a, um, a C-Corp or an LP, there is liability with those, whereas an LLC is a limited liability. So the difference is, is the GP is taking the liability on. So it's it, well, to your tax professional, but there's ways to mediate that. Uh, but what I would say is um, the property itself is still an LLC and you coming in as a limited partner does not, uh, you know, you do not face any liabilities. You're protected under the syndication right. process itself. Yeah. Right. So you, that part of it, you're protected from regardless, whether if you have yourself as an LLC, there's other issues that you can get into with it. Again, you know, talk to your accountant, but that property that you're investing in, that you're safe from that. It's so all. you're in Detroit. Um, do you invest in your backyard? Where do you, where do you find, uh, where are you like? <laughs> yeah, so like I said, I, you know, uh, when I first moved here, that's what I thought I'd do Detroit, but it's getting to know the market much better here. It's just, I don't like the economy. It's very dependent on automotive here. It's pretty much all the major cities in Michigan are dependent on, you know, a single industry. Um, so I, I don't like to invest here. It's uh, automotive is, and, you know, uh, there's a lot more competition and competition isn't necessarily moving to Michigan or Detroit. 
um, right? Even the big three aren't necessarily bringing all of their investments in Michigan. You know, Ford just recently built a plant down south, um, for example, right? So it's just uh, longer term, I don't like it. The fundamentals I look for, uh, the biggest thing is job diversity. And I like to really dig deeper because, you know, a lot of feedback I get is, well, Detroit's diversified. It's really not because at the end of the day, all the other industries that are here in Detroit are still in one way or another tied into automotive. Um, so I, you know, I really do a little bit deeper dive into is the economy really diversified? Um, is there economic growth? Uh, you know, jobs are growing or not? And then what the population's like, is the population growing? Those are the key fundamentals that I'm looking for. Um, that being said, those are right now, you know, in Texas, Florida, Georgia, um, and key, you know, key markets. So Florida, you, you're looking at like Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, um, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Texas, like Dallas, uh, Austin, San Antonio. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of Houston, uh, personally, uh, just because of a lot Lots of and hurricanes or <laughs> well, flooding is a big part of it. It's still, you know, it's not as dependent as it used to be, but it's still a little bit dependent on the oil side of things. Um, so it's just for those reasons, I don't like it. There's, you know, insurance is a big issue there. Uh, especially if the area has already had flooding there before and everything. So just longer term, I'm not a big fan of, you know, even though I, I say I don't invest for appreciation, I am looking to invest in areas. It's not part of my underwriting, but I'm definitely cognizant of investing in areas that will grow. Right. That, that will also, you know, recession is a big concern right now. Investing with the, these fundamentals makes you resilient to, a recession as well um, you know if there is a major recession yes so it will be effective but not to the same degree even if you take a look at you know 2008 places like say arizona for example wasn't hit as hard right it's just it, it you have to look at where you're investing it's not as, as simple as you know the market is in a bubble that you keep hearing um, you know, which I would say is also one of the reasons I don't like to invest in Canada right now is because I do feel like it's a little bit inflated, uh, especially when you start making like the world's top three uh, bubble risk markets. Uh, it's a little bit of a concern. Yeah, it was. What was it? it was challenging some of those like cities that are so expensive in the world, like the Dubai's it was like Canada and Dubai are like rivaling each other for um, um, based on the ratio between what we make and what it costs to live here. <laughs> which is nuts. <laughs> um, yeah, I also noticed that you listed, uh, you know, Georgia, Florida, Texas, uh, Arizona. You're talking about states that are all landlord friendly. Did that play in at all? Um, because Absolutely. you have to go with like a business friendly state, right? It's, you know, I would say even New York and Chicago, maybe San Francisco is kind of, uh, you know, competing with Ontario, but almost any state is better than Ontario in terms of uh, landlord rates. But um, yeah, definitely a big part of it, uh, you know, business friendly states where I would say your rent <laughs> and you do evictions. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I understand why tenant rights are there, but I think they're at the same time in Ontario, they're very much so abused. Uh, right there, they've gone to the far extreme, uh, similar to, you know, same reason I don't invest in, say, California or San Francisco specifically, because it's just it's taken to the far extreme. It's almost assuming that every single landlord is, a, you know, a scum, 
uh, landlord, right? So it's just, uh, that doesn't make sense either in terms of investing longer term. People invest there, it makes sense for them. They make money there, but it doesn't mean, uh, you know, that's what we're gonna do just because other people are doing it. Does the cap rate play in at all when you're picking your market? Because I know some of those markets are going to have low cap rates. Some of them will have higher cap rates. Does that, is that in your, is that a factor in choosing it? It's, I would say that's a factor more so in, you know, figuring out the price of the property, not yeah. as much in terms of the areas I go in. Again, you know, the cap rate is also very much associated with the amount of risk. Uh, you know, there's great cap rates, great here in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Oh Yeah. Invest here. That being said, I talk to a lot of people that end up investing in Detroit because of that. And they say, oh, the market's great, it's booming. But if you really dig into it, it's like the Illich family or, you know, the Rocket Mortgage uh, guy, I can't remember his name right now. Yeah. It's a couple of major families that pumped a lot of money into the core Detroit area to make it look better. Now they're pulling all their money out uh, that they made over the years. And, you know, people that go on that either just cap rate or the hype. Are going to end up getting stuck and losing all the money because there's there's two sides of that coin right you go to something where there's higher cap rate the it might be a little easier just turnkey to make a little bit more cash flow but if you go into spots where there's lower cap rates by doing small changes to the property you can change the value of the property a lot easier right it, it's all you know it comes down to your basic economic supply and demand all right. Where there's a higher demand, the cap rates will be more compressed. Where, you know, there's a higher supply, then cap rates won't be. Yes, you're getting good cash flow, but, you yeah, know, again, it, it also comes down to why are you investing? What are you trying to get out of it? Uh, I usually work with, you know, mid-age uh, where people are more focused on longer term returns versus necessarily, you know, getting the cash flow today. Right. So in, in those situations, uh, the compressing cap rates work better. Again, you know, I, I don't look at the cap rate when I'm looking at the markets I want to invest in. It's yeah. it really comes down to, you know, is the market growing and is it sustainable and is it going to be like that longer term? Makes a lot of sense. Very, very bullish on Texas because, uh, you know, a lot of companies and people are moving there, especially from California. Right. Uh, and other places um, in the U.S. as well. Similarly, Florida, you know, you have a lot of East Coasters uh, moving down there. And, you know, Florida has always been one of those kind of retirement communities. And I think it always will be, you know, people from Canada are moving there all the time. Same thing with Arizona. Uh, so th those are things you need to look at versus cap rate. I know a lot. I talk to a lot of people that end up just going, you know, taking a deep dive into what's the cap rate like. But that doesn't. Uh, necessarily explain, you know, what the market is doing or is going to do longer term. Yeah, no, I just, you just have to know what you're doing. You just know what you're, what, talk to, well, I usually, the way I figure it all out is I usually just talk to a, a mortgage person, broker or company or bank, and they'll tell you what they, what you, they'll do for you in that market before you get too deep into it, right? Exactly. All right. Uh, Hamad, before I let you go, is there, um, any tips or anything you'd give to anybody and then we'll run through uh, your business, your company. Yeah. I mean, uh, know what you're getting yourself into, right. Especially in the syndication space, there's a lot of operators out there. Um, you know, even though I have a lot of relationships with good operators, it doesn't mean they have the best deal all the time. It, again, again, it is a business and a lot of times it gets into an AUM play as well, where they're just trying to pick up properties as much as possible. 
So just, you know, do your due diligence. Don't just jump into something. Um, make sure you have resources you can talk to and connect with just to make sure you're making the right decision. Awesome. And your company, before we let you go, tell us a bit about your company and how they track you down. Yeah. Uh, if anyone, you know, wants to get more information, go to handsoffinvestment.com uh, right there. Uh, you know, it, uh, they can point up, but the thing is, it's like literally a hundred to one, almost, almost everyone listens. Very few people watch the yeah, no, YouTube exactly. channel. <laughs> no, absolutely. So it's handsoffinvestment.com. That's a singular, not a plural. Um, and they have all the information there, including, you know, uh, if you go to the resources education page, I even have an ebook there for how you can invest as an international investor. And that touches on some of the topics that we talked about today. And there is, a, you know, even I have a seven day course, uh, ebook course on, you know, what syndication is and how it makes sense, especially for busy professionals, even for, you know, people in our business who are doing flips and other stuff. They're so busy for that. It's, you know, it, it all comes down to diversification and investing in some passive opportunities to, you know, keep your money tied up and, uh, you know, getting some returns, especially in the current environment. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'll put that in the show notes, the handsoffinvestment.com. Um, thank you for coming on the show, Homad. Awesome. Like always, all of the conversations are always awesome, but thank you for coming on and lots of value here. Absolutely. No, it's a pleasure. You know, it's been a long time. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've talked to you since you came down to Detroit. In a little while, but no, it's great. Maybe I'll touch base when I get back to Kitchener, hopefully in the summer at least once. So awesome. I'll look forward to it. Track me down. Perfect. Will do. Bye. Bye.